welcome to the Mindful Surfer podcast with myself, Will Foster, and my co-host, Liam Morgan, who is sat next to me in the van. In a public car park. Um, <laughs> Nothing to see here, ladies and gentlemen, and everything else in yeah. between. Just two guys sitting. <laughs> but the thing as well is sit, an- <laughs> sitting facing out so that we don't reverberate. Yeah, it's an odd looking conversation. It looks like we look like a couple of kind of having having a deep convo who can't quite look at each other. If you could see the um, looks that people give as they sort of walk past, yeah, just and then try not to make eye contact with us because they're like, "What? Who? Who? Yeah. What? Strange." But anyway, yeah. here we are. Here, here we go. Um, we've got a wave in a bit. We have, which is very exciting, and so we're doing a pre-surf recording, and there's been lots and lots of surf activity. Um, it's been a really interesting time um, in that regard. We, we're, we're in full wave season now and it's, it becomes evident. And listen, this is, I'm speaking to every surfer on the planet, I'm sure when I say this, but you start thinking about boards and what board you want to be riding when, how you want to surf it and your style and so on, so on. And, da, da, da. and I've been watching a lot of Ombi recently. Um, Ombi, O-M-B-E. What's that stand for again? I think it's ocean, mind, body, and experience. Nice. Um, surf coaching brand, really, really good. I've been watching some of their longer shows. Just because I've, I've, I've just, I've had a few surfs recently where I have really opened up a new doorway for me um, in terms of performance. I'm, I'm, I've been surfing for 15 years now, I'd say. First few years, like most of us, um, kind of struggling to, to, to work out how to work your rail and get down the line and do the basics of, you know, take off and so on. Clearly on two smaller boards. Then I, then I went and got my first hybrid about year three and that just changed everything because suddenly I could get my wave count up. And then also not only that, but I could, when I was doing turns, the board would carry through the turn and that was it. That suddenly sort of went from that stage onto that stage. And then it became this journey year upon year of, of, of trying to get the right volume, the right dimensions, the right rocker for the surf that I'm surfing and the way I want to surf it. And boy, oh boy, is that a beautiful challenge. Because in surfing, we'd love to be able to go. I mean, there is a, a shop in Huntington that do this, Huntington Beach in California, where you pay a monthly fee and they have something like a thousand boards. And I would pay that monthly fee because if you could do that in our hometown or somewhere else, constantly tweaking your equipment, you would progress quicker. I mean, it, one of the biggest challenges of a surfer is just you've got that board and you're then with it. And you, I say stuck with it, unless you've got all the money in the world and you just buy a giant quiver. But it takes a while to work out what's going to work, what's not going to work. Um, and I had a surf a week ago now, no, just under a week ago now, on this new board and well, it's second hand, but it's new to me. And it was a completely new doorway for me in terms of, of, of performance, in terms of where I'm trying to get my, the nose of my board, getting my body shape, how the style I wanted to feel and, and, and really make it all about what we make about in, on this show, how it feels. Because you had a, also had an amazing one last night. We just you were just literally just saying that just, just now about just how you feel. Start recording, yeah. And I like I like the term pre loved than second hand. Like that, yeah. That's what they call it now, or vintage. Yep, I like that. Vintage, but pre loved. Pre loved. I really like that. And then they've passed it on, and you're going to have another 
it's going to be another love affair. Or pre-hated. Pre- <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate this yeah. book. <laughs> um, yeah, last night, again, it's strange, isn't it? You, you, you open up these little windows. I, I, I always think when it comes to learning something, especially as we get older and we're sort of adult, adult learners, let's call ourselves, and improvers, you know, this idea that you're whatever phase you're at in surfing, because we like to kind of label and categorize where we are. And we've talked about that a lot over the last... God knows how many episodes we've done from start to now. And you, you, you think, well, at all those kind of stages, at all the bits where I've said, I say, right, and now how many hours of practice have I had in these conditions here? You start to open another room in your kind of, if you like, your house of surf, where you say, okay, where am I now? I'm at this stage. I've had this many hours in these waves, and now I can try this bit, or I've got confidence to try that. And suddenly, and I've been talking to people even uh, recently about this, about uh, the Mick Fanning uh, foamy that I have just for mucking about in Sidmouth and how when I first got this board and actually when I've served foamies before, I sort of fell into this idea that, oh, well, it doesn't turn. And you go, well, the board will turn fine under the feet of someone who can turn well. And that's, that's like any piece of equipment, isn't it? So once you sort of start to work that dimension, and of course, you know, you can then sort of go into the, well, it doesn't turn like a performance board because it's you know, it's constructed differently and the rails aren't thin enough and the tail's not slightly pulled in enough and, you know, you, and you could go on with that. But in terms of the things that you think a board can't do that are the board and not you, once you start to sort of dial in the learnings and you say, well, it can do anything I can, I can make it do. And last night, I, I even recently, and, you know, my surfing's improved exponentially over the last few, few years, even though I've been trying, as a regular listeners will know, for like 20 years to surf is the, the, the foam he did a full cutback on the, this fit pretty sloppy wave. And I was thinking, wow, when I first got this board, I thought I would need another board to complete that maneuver. And actually, you just need regular connection with something under your feet that allows you to practice, fail, practice, fail, try, nearly get there. And it, you, know, you could apply that to anything from surfing to learning the piano. Uh, you've got to hit the wrong notes to make sure that you then know where the right notes are. Um, but, uh, sometimes doing that bit is painful and you might connect with it and think, oh, this is where your golfing analogy starts coming as well. You think like last night I thought, oh, I've hit that so perfect. This, I wish somebody would have seen that little cutback that I've done there. And it might not be, I mean, we're going for a surf after this. I might not be able to do that again for, for quite some time, but that feeling of progress when you make it, when you open the door to another room in your surf journey or whatever sort of learning path you're on as an older um, kind of learner, it's deeply, deeply satisfying, um, but requires a lot of hour, hours, practice, pain, tears, all that, all the, all the above. It, it's so, so true. And when you're on the surf journey and you're listening to this after uh, having not had a great surf or not had maybe lots of not great recent surfs who knows or maybe a, a great surf and a wonderful surf whatever it is a, an up and down journey but the down times don't need to mean that you feel down about your ability true it's so important that on the uh, and, and by the way that on the upside that we stay humble so if things are going amazing you had an incredible surf you've opened new doorways you're absolutely buzzing you're stoked you've had so many waves it's all just come together Stay humble because, you know, you can start looking, well, what got, you, what got you to that point? Why did you have such a great surf there? Was it what you ate? Is it how much stretching you did? Is it the kind of approach to your equipment and the waves that you took that day? Keep all that in mind. 
So don't, so please stay humble to that. But on the same way around, the other way around is that when you come away from one of those surfs where it's been a little frustrating, it hasn't come together and whatever you tried just seems to sort of not quite work. It's just notice your mind because it will want to start, you know, blaming the equipment and just get rid of that, that board. It will want to start blaming the waves. It will want to start getting annoyed that you, you know, you drank the previous night instead of just stuck to water or whatever it might be. But it's so important that we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, that, that old saying that we don't go to extremes. And you've just got to be able to kind of take your, your humble pie, know that it was probably a combination of things. It's never just one thing and come back again. And for me personally, I've had this really interesting journey with this new board just in the last few days. Like I had that surf last week and fair enough, the surf was incredible. Let's, let's pick out one of the variables straight away because it's never just one thing. My good God, the surf was so nice. It was that head-high range that we all just adore as surfers with, with, a, with a barreling lip that was just peeling in a bowl shape. I mean, you couldn't ask for more. A bowl shape, a barreling lip, head-high. And, 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 and that's, that's the literal dream. You could ride anything at that point. But I was having an amazing time on this, on this board, and then it was like literally, what was it, a day later or two? No, it was literally a day later and you were away, and one of our local beaches was, was pumping. Yeah, messy, super messy, but it was pumping, and I went out on my new one again. I thought, oh, go on, let's give it a little, little crack out, out here. First couple of ways, what? And I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, and dude, listen, anyone who listens to this show, even a little bit will know how obsessed with the puddle jumper I am. That's, that's the lost puddle jumper, which is a really fat and wide, fun bit of kit. And I'm obsessed with it for little waves. But I, on my new one, my Cali Twin, which is four litres less, it's a little longer, but it's got more rocker, slightly more pulled in rails and things. And I'm on this thing thinking, geez, man, this thing grovels better than the puddle. It's catching waves easier than the puddle. And I'm thinking, what the actual fuck? Like, this is blowing everything out of my mind. Like, because I've just bought this brand new puddle. It's only just arrived. And now I've got this second hand one. And I'm going, geez, do I even... Do I need to sell the puddle? This is this is really weird. Oh, steady, on. steady on, son. Whoa. Steady Yo. on. Wind the horses back, this, brother. This this will be front this will be front page of the lost press. Like Will sells his puddle because um, I am addicted to him. But I I then had this series of lefts, and I love going left. And I, I'm I'm a regular foot, so left is left is backside for me because I love grinding off the bottom and whacking off the top, or or doing a, a rail turn like a um, you know, proper figure of eight cutback. Those two maneuvers just hooked. I don't know what it is about backside. I've just always loved it. Once it clicked, when I spent, I spent a, lot, a fair bit of time in Bali and that was it. But on this new board, horrendous backside. <laughs> and I, I've, I've gone to go round the bowl, round the bowl. I've seen the lip. Here we go. See it just whack. See you later. Lay, lay all my weight into it. You know, get that rail to come out or get that tail to come out. And I just fell off and fell off and fell off. And I couldn't connect it. And I, and I felt really disconnected with my feet and my board and my body and my... And I'm like, this is, this is a weird phase in my surfing. What is up? Um, so I go back to the drawing board and I look at boards and I, I do a bit of research and listening to Ombi. And one thing that really stood out that we, I think, all need to hear on this because it really divides people this which I think is a good thing it's Clayton the coach um, what's his is that his surname no it's what's Clayton his? Nineba he is That's it. a South African search coach great guy we talked about him a lot before yeah, and, uh, yeah. but yeah Clay. he's also uh, creator of Clayton boards you know them Co- correct 
Um, and, and really good. He breaks things down to the minutiae, which we love, obviously. And he said something that will always, always stick with me. And it will just divide surfers. But he said, you want to get to a point with your equipment where you're not riding the board, you're riding the wave. And that's really interesting because if you have too little volume, you will most certainly be like having to overuse your body to ride the wave. If you, over, if you have too much volume on the other side, the ball will be, will be riding the wave. But when the body and the ball become one, you are then just riding the wave. You're right in the center between the two there. Now, some people would say, yeah, but that's just Clayton. And, and my view is that, you know, it's just about enjoying it and just relax and don't take it so seriously and just ride, you know, ride stuff that just kind of, you can get down the line, have some fun, whatever, don't, you know. And then other people would say, nah, man, you've got to be on the absolute right ball, right time, right place, right everything. And it's totally just up to you. It's, it, however you want to do surfing is down to you. And it, 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 for me, personally, I'm obsessed, I hope in a healthy way, um, with that latter, that, that, that aspect that Clayton's talking about, where I want to absolutely just be in the flow, where, where me and the board and the wave, it's just it's all just evaporated into this one sort of, rail rail up down just no thoughts just pure presence some other people would rather kind of that like real big mid-lengthy thing where it's you know you the board is clearly like something you can feel and you move it around and it's you know or long or big long board or foamies or whatever 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 floats your boat but what's your thoughts on that dude what's on what he said there yeah, I mean, I like Clayton stuff. Or I, I haven't seen a lot for a while. You know, I've been very bad on uh, tuning in um, to this to, to Ombi, and and they've helped me a lot with uh, thinking about surfing and uh, progressing surfing. And I suggested, you know, if, especially if you're on the well, actually, you know, if you're if you've been trying to surf for a long time, so if you spend a lot of time in the water, and you know, I've said this before, people of the generation that I'm in of surfers, where we didn't have the access to certain either coaches or online tools, something like Ombi um, is really great to go to because you, you can apply some of, your, some of your knowledge of the sea and, and that, but learn from, you know, really a, a kind of a coach, I think, in somebody like Clay that's got a very good eye for um, body mechanics and sports mechanics overall. And he, he articulates and applies that sort of body mechanic understanding very well to surfing and um and in fact just before i get onto that so you know because I, I i i agree completely with him you want to feel that you're riding the wave not the board and i i think from my point of view things like the foamy that i've got which i love and when i had the puddle you are riding that board often and that kind of is gets in the way and it's fun and it's but it's also a very different feeling the 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 you know little experience i've had on the almeric when I've connected with Wave and a shortboard for the for, you know, first time properly in my many years of surfing at 46, uh, that's been an, a magical experience, like mm. a really magical experience. Just give the listeners an insight into literage and dimensions on that dude, So Com- compared with that puddle to uh, that. Yeah, so, so the Mick Fanning, just because I talk about it a lot, as a, as the foamy is a, is, is a foamy, it's about 43 and a half litres, 510. Uh, so it's not like super heavy volume, you know, and but it's 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 a lot. So you do feel the board, and it sort of skips. It surfs very flat often, mm-hmm. and which is its strength across like weak sections. But you you know you're surfing, and it, and it races away very quickly from where the power section is, which can be a problem sometimes as you, as you progress. And 
And then uh, the puddle was similarly volume, but 6.0 uh, in a PU. But then the shortboard, the Almeric shortboard, uh, not, you know, notwithstanding this Luke short that I've talked about, but I'll, I'll get on to that. But the, the, the Almeric shortboard is a 5.8, 28-litre, I think it is, 27, 28-litre. So it, it's, it, it's much less voluminous, voluminous, you know, voluminous. Let's get my words oh, out. Lo- yeah, lovely word. Yeah, there we go. And... And it's very difficult to surf for me. Uh, however, as, as I said, when it do, when it does connect, or, or I connect with it, and the wave is powerful enough for it, I can really understand that now. It feels like there's no board. It's like a less board, and it and it it really moves very quickly where your head goes and your eyes go. Um, so I, I I can see what Clay's talking about there now, and it's really kind of fascinating to to behold. Um, but I would check them out. You know, we get a lot of people listen to this at all stages of surfing. and But those guys are interesting because, as I was just mentioning, and, and he helps you with this, um, is that, uh, the this like I said, this body mechanics bit, he really got me thinking about surfing. Because there's this mystique of surfing, right? That you suddenly go in the water and all everything changes. All the like, science changes between how your body moves. And that's why you see people in like pool stands and, you know, blocky movements uh, because they're beginning, but also because they sort of disconnect their brain from all the other sports that they do when they try and start surfing. And Clegg really got me thinking back about uh, things like your stance when you're sprinting or your stance when you're doing a a fighting sport, you know, uh, from from boxing. You you kind of balance and facing the the thing you want to kind of go towards is the same on a surfboard. So as soon as you, that, that in, in fact, for many ways, just to kind of keep reminding myself that, is just to switch into that stance more often. Um, changed everything. And so I, I would say that that helps that a, a lot. That it kind of, you know, makes it more applicable to your, your current understanding of how your body r- runs, fights, moves, races. Uh, you put that on a surfboard and you'll, you'll, you'll get great gains. It's, it's one of those ones where, when you were talking about the equipment that you use, take that as you will, um, it's quite a stark difference when you think about your, your quiver there. If you go between the MIC, yeah. your go-to board for the, the, when we get small conditions here, which is most, mostly what we get, small waves, um, 43 litres down to the Almeric 28 litres. And, and on this topic, while you're listening to this, you're thinking maybe, maybe about your quiver, you know, how you want to surf, when you want to surf, you know, how you actually want to engage in that surf session each time and whether it's going to be about really two things, one performance or two wave count. And that is a beautiful, beautiful challenge. We, we all know that if you go and surf somewhere that's steep, because that's what you need, you need a steep wave to ride a smaller board. This is just the way it goes. It's pure physics. You might end up with fewer waves depending on your fitness. So your decision before going in, I think this is an important thing for us to, to remember as mindful surfers. How are you feeling about the idea of only getting three to five waves in this coming session, but each one, you may well do the turn of your life versus how are you feeling about taking a different board in where you're going to get 10 to 20 to 30 waves, maybe, who knows, but maybe not do the turn of your life because of the nature of the board that you're on. So it's a beautiful challenge, this, this surfing game, because... Where we live, and I'm sure as you're listening to this, where you live, it's mostly very crumbly and pretty onshore and a bit messy and a bit bumpy. So the idea of doing a genuine bottom turn into proper top turn, 
I mean, that, geez, dude, that's like once every couple of weeks for us throughout the winter. We might, if we're really lucky. Um, but most of what we get throughout the weeks is in our winter season, in our, in our surf season, is, 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 is gravel surf, where you're sort of making the most of the, the wave that you're on and sort of trying to fit in little turns and things. But even if you're surfing those kind of waves, you can still have performance in mind. It's just about getting the balance right between those two. Where are you at? How are you feeling before going in? And of course, you, all of this alongside the parallel that runs alongside it, if you could not give less of a shit and you just want to go and ride a wave every, every day, every week on the same thing and just get the most out of it, who cares? But it's all about where you want Fuck to sit yes, on that journey. 100%. I'm just thinking though as well, while we're recording this, there's somebody having a driving lesson. And it is a perfect analogy, this for surfing. And in a lovely, small-engined little car, very manoeuvrable, doing some really good learner driving bits, away from like the pressure of a, a road because we're in a car park. And you think that's kind of some parallels there to surfing as well, right? If you, you wouldn't come in here in a Ferrari and start trying donuts uh, or whatever, <laughs> your sort of sports car, or a huge bus and start trying to reverse park a bus and so as 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 kind of you know as an equipment uh or looking at equipment it's finding the the board that suits the place you're you are at on the journey of surfing you know and not diving straight into the thing that looks the the greatest looking uh thing under your arm it's like what's going to give you the biggest learning potential uh, and and therefore the biggest joy uh, rather than you going straight in on uh, a, a, a really small shortboard and getting no waves and not being able to practice. When you do, it's kind of very awkward and you know, all of that stuff, which frustrates you and then makes the surfing much more difficult long-term. So, so it's having something that gives you the basics of getting things, all the building blocks, all the foundations right first before you start, start trying to progress. And it, Other, it, otherwise, you'd be an old git like me trying to unlearn, unlearn it, things. It, it, <laughs> That's it, a lot <laughs> more difficult. <laughs> and it got me thinking as well when you were talking about equipment and you're talking about size and all these things and shape and how things fit is it does make me think of of, of lovemaking oh he's because you knew i would go there you can't he sits and in a car park in a he, van with <laughs> albeit a very handsome i was gonna uh, say old, that's old guy exactly and that's exactly. what he's thinking about sat in a, sat in a very romantic situation <laughs> two lovely men in a, in a in a van and it got me thinking about lovemaking thinking about the, the analogies of 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 wave count, whatever count that needs to be, versus performance and your equipment, it all needs to fit, doesn't it? And you might have had a partner in your past where, mm, for whatever reason, it didn't quite work in that way. And it's so similar to surf. Like you, <laughs> it's. <laughs> I, w- I was going to say. Can I just finish this? Can please. I finish this? Because you're going to get certain boards right that look amazing. Like you look at them in the rack and you're like, bloody hell, that thing. And you go to ride it, and dear oh dear just doesn't seem to work, doesn't seem to click, there's no connection. Very true of lovemaking. And when we find that partner that we, ooh, it often isn't the one that, this is why we're very careful what I say now, isn't often the one that looked the best upon appearances, but it's the one that felt the best on the inside. Anyway, I'm skirting, I'm skirting here, and my wife's listening to this right now. If you've going, been affected by any of the things in today's <laughs> show, please, or if you've been offended... Don't write to me. I'm just treading very carefully. Write to Will. Will Foster. I was going to even mention more than that, but I felt like I treaded around that as gently as possible. But um, yeah, you just got to find your rhythm, find your way. And in the end, you know, it's about 
getting slippery and wet, isn't it? That's that's what matters. Aye, aye, lad. Right, and 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 don't compare seriously. I'm not take it for both of these analogies, if you like. But don't be comparing yourself to anybody other than your own performance. That's every week. That's the that's the that's the secret to happiness when you're trying to get better at anything. So true. It's, it is you versus you. Absolutely is. Um, dude, good intro. Good intro. Yeah. Lots more to come. And I'm watching the light and the uh, and the wind. Ian's watching light and wind. He's thinking, oh, we're going to wrap this up. Well, so we, we are go in, for a surf. We are at the time of year where this 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 side of the uh, hemisphere as well, where we we lose the light. Now clocks are changing. They're going to go back even further. Time tomorrow. T- tonight, tonight is actually, if you think about it, it's our last night of being able to do this because it's light till six fifteen now, yeah. roughly. But tomorrow that will be then five fifteen. So we're we're currently four fifteen now, but we've got a good window. We've got plenty of time. Loads of time. Hey, hope you're enjoying the show. If you connect with what we do here at the Mindful Surfer, why not share it with your friends? Or go on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Because the more ratings we have, the more likely it is Liam and I can come back week after week and keep building this community of mindful surfers. Now, let's get back to the show. So yeah, good stuff. Moving on to segment number two. Segment number two, just a bit of mindfulness to check in with the breath. So take a breath in through your nose. And breathe out slowly. And breathe in through your nose again. And breathe out slowly. Take another breath in. And breathe out slowly. And one last breath in through your nose. And breathe out slowly. Great work, guys. Good stuff. The breathing we've talked about a number of times, um, but the importance of it will never go away. The reminder that we all need, because I could be reminded at Jesus almost every single juncture of the entire day, where if someone was to ask, they'd say, "Oh, do you need a deep?" I'd go, "Yeah, yeah," because it always feels better, no matter what time in the day you're in. If you remember to take a deep breath breathe out slowly and really bring your presence into the moment you are always going to feel more grounded and we need that at all stages i mean let's pick an example i I had that surf last week and actually this this happened to me a lot where if i've had an amazing surf and i really was super stoked after that session and, and we then drove home i was kind of a bit too almost hyper hyped up and and the mind then can spin even further into weird anxious directions because you've sort of gone from sort of like a nice middle to this real uber stoke and then eventually that's going to have its own duality there's there is never ever a moment in life no matter what emotion you're experiencing or what event is taking place and so on where there won't be some form of duality involved within that um you can't have one without the other you can't have an incredible surf without there being some sort of coming off that experience and it's just to say that the other way around too, like if you have a more difficult surf or more difficult time of things emotionally, that your breath is obviously then going to raise you up. So what the breath is always doing is putting us back in the middle, whether whether we're a little bit too aroused or a little bit too kind of under aroused and, and feeling a bit low. So it's, it's always this thing where it's trying to get you back to the middle. And 
The reason why it works is two reasons. It's this thing where one, your your mind suddenly becomes more focused because you are doing something that's present. And so you have to be focused in order to remember to do it. So by virtue of remembering to do it, you, you, you're making your mind more focused. That's one. And that's going to help with thought management. But also two, the body, because you get this boost in serotonin. And that is your calming hormone. It's the hormone that sort of settles everything down within your body. So just keep remembering, guys, at any stage that you find yourself at where you feel anything other than what you want to, just just go to the breath and it will be that reminder. But geez, I need it as much as anybody. Um, second number three, mind, body, stoke. Things Liam and I have been doing with the mind and body to raise the stoke. Dude, is there anything that comes to mind? As I said, I think when we recorded the last show, I was going to go and... Um join ads who is the uh front of a uh, front man <laughs> i was gonna say front man of a band i think you quite like that um he who uh is the host of the grumpy surfer podcast ads is a great guy great surfer and a uh royal marine retired royal marine and he has started a, a bjj uh academy uh brazilian jiu-jitsu academy and i've joined and I've started training with, with him and, and some guys um, at his uh, Mara Jiu-Jitsu. And there's been a lot of, uh, it kind of gets a lot of press at the moment, doesn't it? It's very, tr- very fashionable to do. And I, I was quite nervous because, you know, I've boxed before, and I, but I'm a, a pretty, pretty, pretty small, older guy. And um, I was uh, signing up to go and train in a brand new sport, which is, uh, you know, you have to get pretty close and personal with people. Uh, so you're completely out of your comfort zone. Um, completely different place that uh, you know, it's, an, it's an, another part of uh, uh, Devon here uh, to, to to where we live. Um, uh, but I have to say, as a kind of mind uh, and body and Stoke exercise, uh, and I'm I, I am in the beginner phase of this completely. Um, it's it, it's an amazing thing. It's kind of there's a euphoria to it um, and a flow state, and so. You know, everything from parallels with surfing, um, but also um, kind of deep, almost like this is a deeply um, uh, primal thing, is that, you know, having that kind of contest, physical contest sometimes, and it's a very, in a very safe environment, and it's, it's great, is, is a deeply rewarding. And, and so the, 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 the intimidation bit, the risk bit, all of that stuff that I was worried about uh, was you know, wasn't unjustified, but in that slight fear and having to go outside the comfort zone also comes when you've pushed yourself to do it, uh, a kind of release that is, is indescribable really. And then sort of sits up there with all of those things that uh, feel like that. And surfing is one of them. So that's what, that's my new secondary hobby. Uh, And I have to say, Ads was absolutely right. uh, When he said, you might feel like you have been hit by a small car uh, after this. Uh, it didn't feel that small, to be honest. <laughs> the next day, and I'm—I still, you know, I've had—I've—I've uh, had, I've been away, so I've had—I've missed the last session because um, I've been up in the in the Peak District, which is as far away from waves as you can go. Um, but yeah, I think I needed a little bit of time to recover because the last session I felt like I'd been hit by a car again. Uh, but it's brilliant, it's brilliant. So I would anybody's well, anybody's in um, this neck of the woods, check out Ads's uh, Academy, but. For me, um, it's it's a really addictive new uh, hobby. It's really cool, dude. I, I, I can empathise so much with how much joy you're getting from it. 
from having played rugby and it's just contact you're getting um contact with other humans like that it's it's incredibly primal and it's just in your dna that you would have uh, you would have been involved in gee who knows what over the, how many millions of years of, as we've evolved but um that that has, that dna hasn't necessarily gone anywhere and um i'm so glad you got a buzz out of it, 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 it i i remember drills in rugby where it was sort of what we call a five by five. It's a real famous gnarly drill. And it's just a couple of lads or a few lads. And you're just, just hitting contacts and then rucking and then hitting contacts and rucking and <clears throat> going into bodies. And it's an adrenaline rush. And it's a really, it, it, it's a, it's a high, it's a genuine stoke. It's, it's a genuine stoke. And I think that's how I would put it. And that's why it's kind of relates to serving. The, the other thing from a body perspective is it's draining of all strength. I think, I used to get this from boxing boxing as well is that the intensity of 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 you know uh, uh quick burst you know explosive stuff um is is so exhausting it, you're, you anybody who hasn't done it um would be surprised how tired how quickly you get tired in these situations these situations and and these are the sort of safe situations as well they're controlled environments but it's um it's phenomenal for all of that, and the, and yeah, and the exertion levels, uh, even with uh, small, uh, you know, timed rounds, are exceptionally good uh, for that kind of feeling of, um, well, just sort of just just that kind of. Dr- it's a good drain, actually. Really cool, yeah. dude, and it, it reminds us that of why so much of why we exercise because it's this amazing thing that happens when you exercise. It's a miracle what it does for your mind for your mental health and if you're someone listening to this now who who maybe hasn't exercised as much as they would have wanted to and therefore hasn't and haven't felt how they want to mentally then geez get out there and i mean fair enough sometimes the waves are flat and you can't you can't make it about surfing but get a workout and go to a jiu-jitsu club or or go to some golf some tennis anything that is physically active is has this remarkable effect on our mental well-being um because it produces these positive hormones and it's it's great. It's just a bit. It's, I think it's with a lot of surfers. We've got to make sure we have not just surfing in the locker for that. That we do other things that provide us this this wonderful mind benefit. But the thing as well that's really cool is that when you then don't just exercise, let's say, let's say for example, just go to the gym or just go to ride a bike or so on and so forth. But the reason why we're so drawn to our sports, people like you and I, and anyone listening to this as well, is because of flow experience. And it becomes so much more than just go and do some exercise. It's just you, you, you've got skill involved, skill acquisition involved, and learning anything fires up neuroreceptors in your brain that can't be fired up doing anything else. That's so true. When you when you are in the midst of of like God, how do I do this? And you're having to call upon faculties you've not called upon before and be creative. And you combine that with physical movement. This is this is what I live for as a surfer. It's what you live for as a jiu-jitsu fighter. I get it a bit with golf now as well, with other sports. Is you, You're having to be in the moment, be creative, but use your body all at once. And it's um, it's wonderful that we've got these big enough brains to be able to do that because animals, geez, I mean, they're just in the flow all the time because they're just, they don't have that that intellect brain. They're just in the moment all the time. But because we've got these, these big brains that we can we can be creative we can decide to 
I'm going to move onto that part of the wave instead of that part. And do you know what I mean? It, yeah, that's man. what makes it so mysterious, so wonderful. But it, it is that combination. I think for mind, body, and Stoke is that combination of, uh, yeah, challenge. It's got to be challenging enough. You've got to have new skill acquisition. And then you've got to put yourself through pain to m- get some grasp of mastery of all of those things. And the little bits in between <laughs> where you find that flow state. And that is a drug that is, you know, healthier and better than anything else you can take as a substance, be it whatever you're into, you know, from alcohol. I think anyway, you know, there's a, that kind of, that, that, those moments where you enter that flow state, for me, are just incredible. And uh, I didn't think I would find that so quickly from this thing, but it's amazing how it, how it hacks the brain like that. Freaking rad, dude. Absolutely love that. Um, I want to mention something on, on body. Um, I would absolutely admit that, geez, in my 20s, I was, I mean, in my teens, I, I would have been too, but a, a sugar addict. Absolutely. Um, because it's this really innocent, oh, it's just sugar substance that's not a class A drug. It's not alcohol. It's not these ones that get demonized, um, sometimes unfairly. Um, but it's this innocent thing called, called sugar. And you can just go and get it. You just go walk into the shop, just go buy some sugar. Job, job, jobs are good. And then, of course, because you, quote unquote, stay lean and you, quote unquote, burn calories and, quote unquote, look like you have a healthy metabolism. Well, crack on, go ahead, knock yourself out. Well, <clears throat> yeah, you, you're then ignoring the dynamics of human biology, which is that if you put shit inside your body, it's going to perform pretty terribly as well, past a certain age. And having been addicted to sugar in, in my 20s, having been in good shape, never affected really my shape that much, but just performance and endurance and strength and power and coordination of movement and balance and how much it affects everything, but mainly inflammation levels. And as I get older, and as we all get older, we, we're dealing with these, these old injuries and these old torn muscles and uh, tweaks and so on. And, and even just our mood too, and how we feel in the surf and how much energy we, we, we have, what we call mito- mitochondrial health, which is your, your energy production. So how much energy you, you, you burn and produce in the surf and so on. And sugar will affect every single one of those markers. And what I'm noticing now is that when I consume even a minute quantity, it makes me feel how I don't want to feel in life, in my mood, and then also in the surf. And for the first time in my life, um, I think I'm on week four now of not even a square of dark chocolate. Because I used to, I've, I've eaten a pretty darn clean diet and it is has, it's cleaner and cleaner. As the years go on, it gets cleaner. That's, that's what happens. And I have fewer and fewer um, processed foods. And, but what I found is, and I wonder if it's two things. I, I always debate in my head, is this two things as I get older? Is it that I tolerate it less like crap food? Or is it that I'm, as I get healthier, um, less willing to actually have that downturn in wellness? And I think it's a bit of both. I think I do tolerate it less as I get older. And secondly, also I'm so used to feeling well, like really well, that I don't want that to change even one bit even for an hour or, or a day or whatever it does. And it's this thing where, so yeah, it's probably like four weeks now that I haven't had even a, a, a square of dark chocolate. And I'm gradually starting to realize that I don't need any in my life. And it's a really, it, it, it's a really surreal place for me to be. And I'm starting to go, right, well, geez, I might have sugar like at Christmas and then maybe at my birthday as a little treat. But outside of that, this whole idea of, I've been good during the week, so 
now I'm going to let my hair down and have some dark chocolate. And I never even used to have that much, really, in, in recent times, like half a bar, like 50 grams or something. Um, sometimes more. Sometimes I'd make, I'd make homemade cookies, again, with very, very little sugar in, um, but still had some in and whatever. And I'd do it once a week. And I ju- I'm just getting to this point now where I'm like, fuck, man, processed food is so fucking inside the psyches of modern humans. It's mental, dude. It's this, it's this, I I go as far as saying that it's the ultimate of um, the subliminal addictions in this universe. Like it's just, people don't realize until you start pulling yourself away and trying to from carbs and sugars and processed foods. Like, and I don't even have that much. I mean, I have fucking minute quantities, but even that last amount, like on a Saturday night, like tonight's my night, like, oh, Saturday night. But my palate now, it's like, it's got to this point now where the less and less and less of it I have, the less and less I need it, the less I want it, and the better I feel. And then I, got, I start asking philosophical questions like, why the fuck do I need this hit of sugar on a weekend? Like, tell me why. Oh, because it's fun. It's like, okay, five minutes max? Like, how long does it last? And then the next day, the whole day, you, you, you're a little bit grumpier mm-hmm. and, you, and your hip hurts and your knee's a bit stiffer. Like, what the... F- Oh, what, no, the, what the actual fuck it's deep it's deeply it, 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 i mean there's a whole show we could dedicate to this because i i i see it a lot you know having kids and what's pushed on them i mean they you know they think i'm kind of crazy because i look at the backs of everything and uh you know i almost well i do agree with saladino on that if it's got ingredients on the back and it's in the supermarket uh i don't eat it hundred <laughs> percent um but you know i'm a realist I you know I don't control everything in my house and the kids buy stuff and they, you know they eat stuff and I see what's sort of marketed to them uh, as acceptable and you know frankly they they'd be better off having a cigarette sometimes than the stuff that's going in largely because you know of the uh, spikes in mood and behavior and all of that stuff and you know uh, yeah parents go oh where did where did that come from it's like well uh, probably from the last 15 packets of uh, Haribo's I've just eaten or whatever, you know, whatever sort of, uh, or cereals or anything that's kind of just chock full, literally, of stuff. And uh, even the chocolate is not chocolate, you know. And, and so when you start to sort of clean that up, still, love, you know, you know me. I mean, I I've you enjoy my uh, Saturday night beers and uh, dark chocolate, but I, I am, I am a Puritan compared with uh, many people that I know, and and uh, there is there is a sort of a, a spell that's sort of difficult to break. To that, that they think you're the crazy one eating, not eating this stuff. That you're somehow missing out. Um, and like you say, you know, sugar being a tree and kids, and it's just freely available. It's it's like you know, it's it's a it's a drug marketed to kids legally all the time, <laughs> um, uh, and you know with consequences for all sorts of things, uh, not just physical health, but I, th- I would go as far as saying behavioral health. Um, and, and that would extend then into all the other stuff that's pushed on them, like, you know, social media. And, you know, so you combine all those factors and, and you have people, experts scratching their heads saying, we can't work out why kids are unhappier than they ever have been in human history. Well, you're drugging them and making them anxious for starters. <laughs> Uh, or so you know the 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 accepted norms are 
Uh, I'll get into trouble for saying that, but it, no, I, no, I, I, I know. What you're I think it's. I think it's. It's. Uh, it's something that sort of needs looking at. But when you step away from that paradigm and you start to try and you know do things th- so that you thrive, there are times when it deeply offends other people, even though it's not affecting them. It's a strange thing. You've said it a lot, haven't you? But if, if you then say, oh, "I don't," no, I don't really. You, you, you do you. you in no way am I saying don't do those things to other people. That's the interest, interesting thing, as, as, as are you. But even sometimes you not doing it seems to offend. And, and I, I say this as a drinker. I've got friends who've uh, managed to quit drink for, for a number of reasons. And the one thing that seems to connect all of the comments that when I talk to them about it, they, they say to me is that they're, they're, they're not drinking. Is They're fine with it. They accept it because that's what they do. It upsets other people that they don't drink. It's the other people that have a problem with their life choice. And that's a, that's, I mean, as I say, that's another show entirely, but that's quite an interesting thing, isn't it? It's a, it's a bit like saying, well, I love surfing. I like body surfing. Oh, you can't be body surfing. Well, you, well, you're not body surfing, so you don't worry about it. I am. You surf your surfboard, I'll body surf. So you don't have to even worry about one. But as humans, we seem to want to worry about what other people are doing and try and force our... And and the great thing about this, hopefully, is you kind of say, you know, you can explain what makes you feel better, but there's no way that you would want to force it on anybody else because people have to make their own choices. Um, but some of the stuff that's marketed and pushed is definitely not helpful to to well-being and thriving. Absolutely, dude. And it's this thing where people would think that it's so over the top that you would not want to eat something that's as yummy as that because you'd want to feel not just good, but great and great in the surf and great on land and great in your relationships and feeling great when you exercise and move and do what you do for work and all these things. And you just say, look, it very much is you do you. And I can only know for me how I feel when I go to bed and when I wake up and how I feel during the day, how my mind operates, how my body feels when I step and I walk and I lunge and I twist and how does it feel? And the, you talk about a value system here. And for some other people, they would value that, that meal with friends and eating that food in that way, in that context, over feeling a bit groggy in the surf the next day. For me, I don't. It's the other way around. And it's just why we're so different. And this is never, ever us ever saying, you should do this. It's, it's, it's the, this word, this, this plague word. We just do not want to use that word. So what is the word instead? Well, you could. You could grow as a human and you could become healthier and happier if you make little tweaks and you become really self-aware, I think one of the biggest things of all is that we don't realize how attached to food that we are until you say, right, well, don't have it then. Pull it away. And fasting's a great tool for that because when people fast, this is what I've experienced with clients. When people go through a fasting journey, they notice very, very immediately their attachment to food. And yet there's no need for it. Plenty of body fat on them. They could survive for weeks. Months even, sometimes for some people, years, which is startling, with not a single morsel of food. So it's obviously not anything to do with the the food. You don't need it at all. It's all the mental, emotional attachment you have to it. And it gives you a release. It gives you a distraction. It gives you this break from basically your mind, essentially. And that's what all attachments when it comes to substances are. So food is just another part of that. But I think what's really interesting is as a surfer, it's starting asking questions like, how do, how do you want to feel in the water? And what kind of journey do you want to go on with, with your surf? How good do you want to feel on the wave and in your body? 
And it's starting to have those real honest moments where you, you do start to go, actually, do you know what? Fucking hell. I think I say yes to people and say yes to my own mind sometimes unconsciously. Yeah. I don't do it authentically all the time. I actually, I suddenly find myself eating a certain thing and doing a certain uh, habit and saying yes to a certain person without actually having paused to be really conscious and go, no, 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 actually, I don't, I don't need that. And I've had this, not my whole life, but a lot uh, in, in recent years. And yes, I've got practice in that. And other people might then say, oh, well, it was lucky, it's lucky for you because you, this is just what you do. And yeah, it is now. <laughs> because I would have, because I would have started making um, decisions that didn't please everybody. Because that's the biggest thing. Like the amount of people who, yeah. when I first started making big changes, like, what the fuck is Will doing? What it, a weirdo. It challenges their orthodoxy. Yeah. And actually, uh, the, there's a, a again, it's a, it, you could go through a whole probably series of shows on it, but the, a bit to, to the point I made about the drinking, but the same is to do with any addiction that someone is suffering from. They need other people around them be, doing the same thing to... It, either assuage their inner feeling that there's something that they is wrong with what they're for themselves this is um there's, there's some, some nagging thing that they could could have a better life without it but if everybody's doing it and everybody's going along together there's this crazy uh thing that starts to happen that none of the people doing it really deep down want to be doing it but they're doing it because everybody else does it and therefore they feel better about themselves and you know, there's this kind of peer pressure thing that exists. Um, and w anybody that tries to break away from that thing is immediately questioned or rejected by the group because you, you start to shine a little bit of light on the reasons why they're doing it or what the other alternatives could be or what the op options might be around tr changing that particular thing that they are addicted to. Um, and that's it, really, in a, in, a, in a nutshell. I think sometimes people are doing things because it's peer pressure and, you, you, you know, you don't like somebody going against the grain because it makes you feel bad about some of the choices that you're making that you inherently may know mm -hmm. aren't helping you thrive. So true. And I think that, that's, uh, that can be close to home too because yeah. it can sometimes be partners, the relationship that you're in with that close person in your life that, you know, we're not all going to be exactly the same, but that's, that does not say anything about your relationship. True. And there are some relationships, I mean, having been a mind and body coach myself for 15, almost 20 years. Um, I've experienced that a hell of a lot. So that's something else to consider that, you, you know, it's just like, just because you're making that change doesn't mean someone else has to, and they've got their journey to go on. And it doesn't say anything about the relationship. In fact, some of the healthiest relationships in the world are ones where people are incredibly different, but still have this incredible love for each other. Um, and that's something to consider. But I think when... It, it comes to it, it, certainly what you do want from that partner is support. That's the biggie. Um, and if you're trying to make changes um, and you feel like you haven't got that support, then, you know, maybe conversations need to happen. Because I think you, the social aspect of how we are as humans is a big, big factor. We need to be able to be honest and vulnerable with those people. But we also ideally want that support and backing as well so that we feel, um, you know, surrounded by good vibes, basically. Making good decisions yeah. around good vibes, you know. God. We have done that. But do you know what, well, mate? We got heavy, heavy D there, haven't it's, we? We just, we just do it. We just fucking do it. There you go. Lots of F words today. Very nice. Um, should we go for a surf? Let's go for a surf. Let's get if in. If we can, before it gets dark. We'll and surf um, till spooky surf Halloween. Yeah, we'll go and um, surf until the night comes. Indeed. And guys, 
lovely to be with you here. We'll be back, we'll be back again soon. See you soon. Bye. Cheers. <laughs>